This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. It is one thing to have a desire to be transformed. It is a different thing to need to be transformed. Valeria Tellez interviews Jerome W. Terry, the author of Lord Help Me With Me, a guide to help renew the mind for life transformation. Jerome is an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. He is someone who does not define himself by what he does. He defines himself by who he is in God. Jerome encourages and teaches renewal of the mind from a Christian point of view so that we may better ourselves and strengthen our relationship with God. He uses his experiences and couples them with the Word to help people with their lives. He writes and speaks with a unique perspective. His unique perspective does not come from a pulpit. Jerome's unique perspective comes from a pew. Because of his unique perspective, he has an uncommon ability to empathize with people's pain and with what they may be feeling. Jerome is able to provide a voice of inspiration to those who may be wrestling with some of the many things that he has had to overcome. He offers encouragement and teaching to believers who desire to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Meet Jerome at JeromeWTerry.com. Here is the interview with Jerome W. Terry. In your own words, who is Jerome W. Terry? Well, I guess in my own words, I would say Jerome W. Terry is, uh, I always like to talk about the difference between um, um, a job description and an identity definer. So, um, if you wanted to, a job description is I'm an author and an entrepreneur um, on my own business, and I offer uh, products and services uh, that uh, my teaching encourage mind renewal um, from a Christian point of view, so that we can better ourselves and strengthen our relationship with God. But that's more of a job description. But who I am, I'm a child of God. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. So. Uh, that's who I am. So I live and move and have my being in, in, in Christ and in God. So that's what helps, you know, strengthens my heart and helps me to make better decisions as I go throughout my life and throughout my day. And speaking of God, what is God to you? What and where is God? Well, to me, I, I use um, everything I, I do. I use uh, scriptures as a reference. So God to me is he's my father. He's my heavenly father. And so I have a relationship, a father-son relationship with God. So he's my creator and he's my father. He's my helper. He's my savior, my deliverer. Um, he's whatever I need him to be. Uh, whatever circumstance or situation I'm going through life, he's my counselor. I get wisdom from God. I mean, he's he's everything to me. I, 
So that's basically what God is to me is he's a father and he's he's a counselor. And where is God from your perspective? So from from our perspective, he's he's in heaven, but he's also through his spirit. He lives in in us and his children and um, and those that put our trust in him. He's he's living in us. So he lives in me. He lives in all of us that put put our trust in him. Why do you think we have these uh, different ideas and concepts about God? Why is that? I think, well, because I think we, we've all been given the ability to choose yeah. and make decisions. And we all have different uh, conceptualizations about God. Right. And they all sometimes those those concepts of God can be formed based on our own opinions and our own ideas. True. But our concept of God should be based on God's word. So our relationship with him should be based on what he says and not based on what we think or our opinions and our ideas. And so that's why you have different um, groups and organizations, different divisions and different denominations because people are, we tend to have a tendency to go off of our own ideas and opinions, but it should be, we should be all one. We should all have the same mindset and it should be based off of what God has said, not what we think. I love that. Yes, I agree a thousand percent. And this is a topic that we often talk about here. And I love the title of your book, Lord Help Me With Me, a guide to help renew the mind for life transformation. So in a way, yeah, we need help with our own selves. That's interesting because we have lost the way. And I agree. So when you speak of the mind, Jerome, what is the mind? What's the understanding you have about what the mind is? So the, so I guess the concept of the book is, is, first of all, it's Lord, like you talked about, Lord, help me with me. It's really the book is about becoming self-aware because oftentimes we can be aware of our surroundings and not be aware of who we are and the place that we have in society or in our surroundings. And it's really about everyday life, our circumstances, situations, What's going on with whatever's going on in our particular lives as husbands, as fathers, as parents. And so Lord help me with me is really about becoming uh, self-aware. Um, and so once we can, we, we know who we are, we can get the revelation of who we are, then we can receive the revelation of God. And so the mind is about uh, changing how we think. And so the mind is about where decisions are made. And it's also about our perception because um, people say perception is reality, and that is that is true to a certain to a certain point. Because how you perceive your life, how you see God, how you see yourself, how you see others, how you see your situation and circumstances, we all have adversity or have trouble. But it's really about your perception of what's going on in your life, and if you can see what you're going through correctly or properly, the way God wants us to see it, then you'll make different decisions. You'll approach life differently, and so this. A guide to help renew the mindful life transformation is about us not necessarily changing our circumstance, our situation, but changing how we see our circumstances and our situations. So then we can, if we have proper perspective, then we'll handle our life or our circumstances, our situations properly. We'll make better decisions and overcome whatever ab adversity or tribulation we're going through. And so it's really about, uh, so, so we all have trouble and we all have adversity. So God, what he wants us to see is that um, the adversity or the trouble is not working against us, but it's working for us because all things work together for the good to those that love God and no weapon formed against us shall prosper. But I have to internalize that and I have to see that. 
so that I handle whatever's going on in my life the way God would want me to handle it. So it's really about, you know, having a different perspective, having a different mindset, making better choices and decisions for ourselves, for others, for our family, for our community, and just being, just improving upon ourselves. And so sometimes you can go through life um, just trying to fix everybody around you. But if I never deal with me, then how can I make other people better? Because I'm no good to anybody until I'm first good to myself. So God does not want us neglecting self. He wants us to love him and then love ourselves. And then we love our neighbor as ourselves. So if we, when we love God, we'll love ourselves. Loving God is really about you'll love yourself because um, if God loves me, then I love me. So that's what really relationship with God is about. He wants me to love me. And then I can love other people, you know, and so that's that's really what this book is about, developing self-awareness and taking accountability and responsibility for the decisions that we make, learning how not to blame others, owning our choices then asking God for forgiveness for those decisions that we make. So we all need help from God. How did you come to these understandings, Jerome? How did you become a Christian and how did you come to this? Well, um, I, I was raised, I guess I was raised in church. My parents raised us in church. So we went to church and I always, I mean, remember back being four or five years old, having a love for God, even praying at four or five years old. So um, developing a relationship with God. And then as you go through life, have different um, experiences, different circumstances, making a lot of mistakes and learning a lot about myself, about different choices. And then I guess how we got here with this book, I've always wanted to write a book. Um, I think, I believe I have a, a gift to, to write. And so, you know, just developing that gift and then asking God going through life, different experience. So really I'm just using the scriptures and using my experiences and how God helped me to navigate through those experiences. So I always wanted to put it uh, and, uh, and communicate those experiences and what God has revealed to me to help other people. So this is, you know, what came out of it, what this book came out of, it was uh, just me wanting to help other people with my experiences and, and then the revelations God given me about his word. My question is, why do we care so much? We give so much importance to thoughts. We listen to them too much. And why do we care so much about the opinion of others? Yeah, um, I think, well, I, I reference a lot about, I'll talk a lot about, about um, Bishop Noah Jones. He's a preacher that I, I listen to. He's in California. And he talks a lot about the difference between sensual perception and, and spiritual perception. And so sensual perception is when your thoughts and your mind is connected to your world around you, your physical senses, like what you see, touch, taste, and smell, and the people in your life and the people around your life. And then when you have spiritual perception, it's really about having a mind that's connected to the thoughts of God. And so all of us have people in our lives and people around our lives. And this is really not just about the people that sometimes you could say you do not necessarily generally care about or could care less about. This is really about when you're even in your home or dealing with your mother, your father, your family, people you generally care about. We can give so much significance to the opinions of other people. And this could be your spouse, your husband, your wife. And we give very little significance to the thoughts of God. And what God wants us to do is to switch that. We really should be thinking about what God is thinking about, because sometimes the people in our lives and the people around our lives have evil thoughts or negative thoughts, adverse thinking towards us. And then those words can be expressed through their conduct or their conversation. So sometimes we're living with the memory of what people have negative things people have said about us when we was children. 
uh, said about us in our homes. If we have our spouses could be negative, our children could be negative. But so we we want to have a relationship with God so that he we're connected to what he's thinking, what he's saying, because sometimes the people, the thoughts that people think towards us are cruel and they're evil and expressed it through their words. But what God is saying, the thoughts that I think towards you are good and not evil. And so we have to learn how to live with the thoughts of God so that we can overcome maybe the rejection um, and the neglect that's coming from people that really should care about us and handle us correctly, because sometimes people don't. So I have to be able to overcome that, love God enough, receive the love of God, love myself so that I can handle negative people. And it's, it's all words and memories, really, that we really have to overcome when you think about it. Because if 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 like if like if someone was ever raped or molested, if I didn't have the memory of it, then would I still have the scar? So it's almost about really just overcoming memories of what people said, memories of what people did. And that's what God does. He helps us to overcome the memory so we don't live in our past. We begin to live in the present and so we can move toward the future that God has for us. That is such a, a beautiful practice to engage in, to understand, be self-aware, aware of the thoughts and learn how to distinguish them. In practice, how is that done? How do you listen to the voice of God? Well, I guess in practice, I think relationship with God is something that's developed or it's cultivated. And it's it's learning how to in prayer. All prayer is really is just communication. It's just communication with your heavenly father. And so just like the physical body needs food, we have to feed ourselves. Um, We have to be nourished with physical food. We also have to feed ourselves um, with relationship with God, with his word, with his scriptures. And sometimes um, it, it can be complicated because scripture can be mischaracterized. Can, uh, it can be uh, misrepresented. It can be taken out of context. And so what we want to learn to do is to read the scriptures with God, ask God for help. Show me, you know, give me illumination or shine your light on the word so that you can give me an understanding. So I'm not just reading it with my own mind or reading it based off of what somebody told me. This is what this means. Show me how do I apply this to my life? So it, it's something that is developed. It's something that's not happened overnight. And so you're going to learn a lot about yourself. You're going to have, you're going to make mistakes, make choices. But what I've learned is that God is merciful and he's gracious, gracious, and he always wants a relationship with us. And it's not something that, and relationship with God is not something that's earned, which I I thought was, you know, coming up, different traditions or religions and denominations can teach you like, oh, I have to earn God's approval. But relationship with God is a gift that we receive. He, he, he shed his blood for us through his son so that we can have relationship with him. That's a gift. We don't deserve that. And so then we cultivate a relationship with him. And it's really about a relationship with God. Is, is we Most of us want a relationship with God. But what, what happens is you find out that you don't just want God, that you need him. We discover that he's a necessity. And it usually comes through when we're in the valleys of our life, when we had negative experiences, made bad, wrong turns and bad choices, and life is chaotic because of, you know, decisions that we've made. And then we cry out to God. It's like, Lord, I need you to help me because I never get to a place in my life where I don't need him. And that's really the revelation. If I can just stay there, that'll keep me humble, keep me where at a place to where I can always have compassion for others and that I've always at a place. I've always, I always need the Lord in my life. So that's how you apply it is just the word and, and understanding that do we have to grow 
um, even in study, you know, in reading the scriptures, prayer, it's all a, it's all something that's developed. It's, it's not something that and you learn to overcome certain things and you learn that you're more than a conqueror and you can overcome anything if God is with you, if God before you, that there's nobody that can be against you. It's constant work, really. That's something that's a decision we make and then that's it, to believe in God. Another thing that I heard that was very powerful, it was somebody said, I don't believe in God. I know God. Have you come to that place or are you at that place, Jerome, where you can say the same? I guess, I, I don't know if I would phrase it like that. I don't know if yeah. I would put it like that where I say I know him. I think it's because I think knowing God is more about is a process that continues the rest of our life. That's what I would say. I don't know if I can get to a place where I can say I know him if I'm finite in my mind, if, if I have limitations and he is eternal. I don't think we can ever get to where we can say we discover all of God if he's uh, omnipresent, if he's eternal, if he's from everlasting to everlasting, if he occupies all space and has all wisdom and knowledge. I don't believe I can ever get to a place where I can say I know him, but I can get to a place where I say he knows me. And believing him is really about trusting him. So I have to trust him. So I don't want to ever say I don't trust him. I don't believe him. I, he he knows me way more than I know him because I don't think I can ever because he's so much greater than me. I can never discover everything that is to know about God. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't I would never I wouldn't say that. Hmm. That resonates uh, true to me, yeah, because what God is or what I call love, uh, unconditional love, it cannot be really be known through a conditioned mind because we are conditioned here. Everything's conditioned. Yeah, he is unconditional. It's unconditional love. He is unconditional love. Yeah. So how can we really unconditionally love if we are coming from conditions? everything about us. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, that resonates true to me. Thank you for saying that. You also mentioned something interesting about being afraid of God, that some people uh, have created that idea because of religion and denominations. And so have you come across that idea too, a point where you're afraid of God? Yeah, I have been. And I, so everything I, I say in the book is really about coming from personal experience. Um, I think I talk about this in one of the chapters a little bit, how when I initially wrote this book, and I rewrote it probably before it was published, I don't know, 12 times or so, I went over and over it again. But when I initially wrote the book, I wrote it in first person. I'm really just talking from my experiences. But God showed me how I had to put it in third person so it could better communicate with other people. So when, when you come from different religions or traditions, you know, you do think, you see God in a way where you're terrified of him, afraid to approach him because because you have condemnatory thoughts toward yourself and you think God is always judging you and always condemning you because you you may be making some mistakes, mistakes or you might be living a life that's maybe contrary to the way God would want us to live. But God is never condemning us. He's not he's not judging anybody. He hasn't judged anybody. He's sitting on the throne of grace. He's saving us. So that's a different, once we receive that revelation that he's not judging me, he's saving me, he's rescuing me, he's here to help me, then your approach changes. And so you you approach him with boldness instead of approaching him with terror or with fright or with fear. Once you know that he's he's here to love me, he's here to help me, he's here to make my life better. He's not just standing over me as judge. He's not 
He hasn't judged anybody. Now, there will be a day and time where that comes. But right now, he's here sitting on the throne of grace. He's here offering salvation and deliverance to, to whoever will call upon him. And so that's the approach that we should have. And that's the approach we should have. When we're going to be ministers, teachers. We have to convey that to people that you can. I don't care what you're going through, what valley you in, what's happening in your life, that I don't care what's going on in your life. You can always call on him. And I wonder why some of the uh, religious institutions, they deliver the message in, a, in this terrifying way. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I think it has a lot to do with um, insecurity, mm. really. And mm. it has to do with any in a manifestation of insecurity is control. Right. Anytime someone is insecure, they seek to control people. So mm. if if. If I'm a preacher or a teacher, a pastor, bishop, prophet, apostle, deacon, whatever, I'm in any type of leadership position of any religious organization, then out of my insecurities, I want to control the people because maybe I think that has a negative uh, reflection on me. If somebody goes out and makes a mistake, does something, uh, there's some sexual misconduct or, you know, some alcohol abuse or something like that. I, to control the people, I try to make them afraid of God so they don't do this and do that. But you have to, to have relationship with God. You have to grow. You have to learn that you are human and you have to learn how to say no to yourself. And so you so you have to be as a, in positions of leadership. You have to be secure enough in your relationship with God to know that we don't own people that I don't own the members or the subscribers or the followers. I don't own anybody. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So it's my responsibility as a teacher or a preacher to convey that message that God loves you. And so you, it's the love of God. People, when people fall in love with God, you know, when you fall in love with him, you start loving yourself. It's some stuff I'm just not going to do because I don't want to hurt myself. I don't want to hurt my family anymore with some of these things I've been doing. So it's really about love. Like when you love yourself, you stop, you, you love God and self, then, then the alcohol abuse goes away and and the substance abuse goes away the, the the affairs and the adultery once i start loving god loving myself and loving my family you you stop doing some of these things you know that's what it's about it's about love it's not just about a uh, rules that god you know it's not just he's giving me rules and regulations that follow these rules he says i want you to follow me and walk in love and then that's where some of that stuff you learn how to start doing some of the stuff we're doing. And that's a process too. And that comes by the renewing of the mind. It's a mindset change. It's a whole different mentality that God wants us to have. It's really about being spiritual, not being religious. He, he doesn't want to be religious. He wants to be spiritual. And so that's a different approach that God wants us to have. And I think he's correcting that. And I think we're learning that, that some of the things that we've been, that we was taught or learned or we was developed or conditioned or grew up in, you know, wasn't right. And he wants relationship with us. That. So we have to, how to overcome our personal difficulties. So do you feel that this is changing now? We are transitioning. We are trying to live more based on love instead of fear. I, I would hope so. I think it's going to require a lot of work. It's going to require a lot of effort, like you was talking about earlier, with our participation. Um, we People that are passionate about, about, about this kind of stuff coming out because Jesus said this, he says, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. And one quite my question or might ask, how can the harvest be plentiful and the labors are few? How can the labors be few when we see churches going up everywhere, pastors going up everywhere, teachers and preachers, how can the labors be few? But when you have the proper respect, you do see the labors are few because you see that 
you're not, I'm not counting the corrupt laborers. There's a lot of corruption going on. And so there's a lot of people preaching and teaching for the wrong reason. And so when you see that, you see, well, the labors are few. We need to pray that God send people that love God, love people, passionate kind of this about this, these things, and um, send it to the harvest. And the harvest is those of us that are ready for transformation, ready for a different life, ready for um, a life, ready to stop, you know, stop living the way we was living. I'm ready for change. And so that's what the book, Lord Help Me, me is about. And that's what I'm about. It's really about minister people that are ready for change. Right. And that's what that's what who was for anybody that's ready for transformation. I'm ready for something different. And are you thinking about becoming a minister or a pastor? Um, at this present time, no, mm-hmm. I'm not interested in, in pastoring. I'm right. um, and currently at this present time, I'm not a licensed uh, minister. I'm really just uh, I'm just a husband. I'm just a father um, and an author. And I'm. I, re- I just really want to write and do public speaking at this present time. But that's something that God might have me to do later in life. Um, but I understand that that's a responsibility. You know, I don't like just want to start a church and, and be a pastor. I understand the responsibility that comes with it. That That is a responsibility. And I think sometimes we take on responsibilities and and not understanding that we really have to be responsible because you can be because I don't I don't want to take on anything that I, that I'm not too irresponsible to handle. So that, that's a huge responsibility to shepherd God's people. Yeah, that's true. And it has to be a calling too. And you know that, yeah, it's not something that we decide ourselves, right? It has to be a calling. But I'm, I'm open to that. If God has, wants me to do that um, some years from now, but right now I really want to just write and speak, but God might put that on me to do. Yeah. For some reason, the way you speak, it really resonates true to me. That God is love and the idea of fear. I mean, everything you speak of, I love what he's saying about sensual perceptions and spiritual perception coming from a spiritual perception, living, navigating this reality from that place, which is heart-centered. So I love that message, though. If you became, let me know if you ever become a minister, have your own church and all, because right, right. that would be a wonderful change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll absolutely let you know. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a wonderful change to have you preaching and talking to us about this more from a different perspective, more enlightened from my perspective, from what I see from you. I love that. Okay, okay, appreciate that. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience, Jerome? Why do you think we are here or God put us here? Yeah, I think I think God put us here because really sometimes we think, I think we live through our lives and think, even if we do believe in God, and, and this takes a while to discover too, that I think God is here for me. And so even in my prayers and my communication, I'm praying, asking God, do this for me, do that for me. But really we're here for him. Like God created us because he wanted a relationship with us. He wants relationship. It's not that he he needs a relationship. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't have any necessities. It's that he wants, he wants us. And that's really empowering when I say God doesn't need me. He wants me. He wants me. So that's really empowering. He doesn't need me. So I think we're really here because God wants wants a relationship with us. And so um, when when Adam if go back to the beginning in Genesis, when Adam fell, well, it it kind of severed the relationship. And so so to have reconciliation, then he had to provide a sacrifice, which is Jesus is the lamb. And he 
provides reconciliation. So we can now have a relationship with him because he's provided atonement through his son. So it's really about relationship. God is about relationship. He wants relationship with us. That's what he wants. And that's why we're here to have a relationship with him, really. That's funny how we think the other way around. Yeah, that, right, right, right. that God needs us, but it's it's just wants to be part yeah, of, he, of our lives. Right. Yeah, yeah, he wants to be a part of our lives. And then he gives us mm. the option to choose. We get to choose. He's given us yeah. free will. And so we get to get to decide if he's a part of our lives. Now, it's, I strongly suggest I highly recommend making him a part of your life. But you but it, it but it's our decision. He been he, and, and, and unfortunately, some people choose not. Some people decide not to have him as a part of their lives. And that's unfortunate. Yeah, and maybe that's why we talk about transformation that we need, yeah, to transform mm -hmm. the mind. And we yeah. need. And I agree. Another question that just came to mind is about the idea of heaven. What do you think heaven is? Yeah, I'm really not sure on that one. I just know it's a spiritual place. I'm thinking it's a place where God resides, where He dwells, where there's perfect and complete order, and it's a place that He's prepared for us when we when we leave here. Um, I think that's, I know it's a lot better than, than here with all the chaos and the confusion and, and, and all the troubles that we have here. It's a place that we can look forward to going. We're spending eternity with God. It's a place that he resides. Do you think that it's possible somehow to live, to experience that idea of heaven in a human body when we have that spiritual perception that you speak of? Yeah, I think so. Right. Um, because he says it, uh, it, it, it could be also referring to the presence of God. Because um, I think if in Psalms, I think it might have been David who said, in, his, in your presence is the fullness of joy and at your right hand pleasures forevermore. And how I see that as being a spiritual place internally, where it's really a state of mind, a state of being. The presence of the Lord is really a state of mind. It's a state of worship and appreciation for God. And I think that's how we should live through our lives. Even when there could be chaos going on around us, you, we, can, we can properly navigate through the adverse circumstances in our life when we are in that state of worship or praise for God, when we are in, that pres in the presence of the Lord. It could absolutely be um, a state of being here on earth in heaven, in the presence of the Lord on earth. And that's how I think that's how we should live. Now we have to fight to, to stay in that spiritual place because there's so much things pulling on us in our personal lives and things of that way, of, of, of that nature. But we can absolutely be in that place, that spiritual place, that mental state of being where we're in his presence. And you do talk about the heart in an interesting way. You say we need a spiritual heart transplant. <laughs> I never heard it this way before. Yeah, so yeah. what is your idea of the heart, Jerome? Well, I, I think the heart, uh, and that's that's really where God resides. It's it's right. He resides in the heart, as, as you've been talking about. And so the mind is what the, the book I talk about, mainly about using the word of God and using our relationship with God who resides in our heart to change our thinking so we start making better decisions for ourselves and for our others, for our families, for the next generation. But God, he lives, he lives in the heart. And so when I talk about having a heart transplant, it's because motives and intentions, everything comes out of the heart. Whatever's in the heart dictates to the mind. Um, so um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was Jeremiah who said, 
and it's in the scriptures. He says, he said, but my heart is deceitful and d- desperately wicked. Who can know it? And, and really, it's a rhetorical question. Or the answer to the question is God is the only one that can know the heart because he's the one that searches the hearts and searches the minds. And that's really self-awareness. Really, when I come to a place where I realize even right now, my heart is deceitful, is desperately wicked. I need God in the heart so he can help me, you know, with some of my motives, my intents, my decisions. I need him in my heart because if I'm just left alone without relationship with God, I'm going to bring my own demise upon myself eventually without relationship with God. I'm, I'm going to, he has to be in the heart. It's not, it's, it's the heart. It starts with the heart. Then it goes to the mind. It's not the other way around. Well, I think that's why it's important. Like we, as whoever we preach and we teach, we have to make sure we present God in a way that he is love. Because if we present him in a way that where people are, are afraid of him or terrified, then they will decide to uh, run from him. And so what I want to try to show is that God is approachable. You don't have to run from him. I want you to I want to encourage you to decide to run to him, no matter what you're going through, that, that decide to receive him. He's here to help you. He's here to love you and to make your life better, not to make your life worse. So you shouldn't be running from him. And sometimes we we mischaracterize his word. We misrepresent his name as preachers and teachers. And we don't show how gracious and merciful he is. When people make a mistake, we're ready to, people are afraid because, you know, they already have condemnatory thoughts of themselves, towards themselves, and we shouldn't be reinforcing that. You know, people make a mistake, we we should be there to help them. And I think if we have our own experiences and overcoming our own personal difficulties, we learn through experience with God, man, if God can save me, I know for a fact he can save anybody. So uh, we're almost at the end. I do have more questions for you, the ending questions. But there's another question that I want to ask that caught my attention. Just paraphrasing you, you said something like, um, when uh, loved ones leave us involuntarily through death, when they die, then uh, may God help us to grieve properly so that we may move forward with the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. So what do you mean by grief properly? That was an interesting, yeah. Well, yeah, I think I, yeah, I think I talked about um, when people can leave our lives involuntarily through death, and sometimes people leave our lives voluntarily through their own decision. So, some of the times we can experience a divorce. Uh, someone might leave me because they decide they might not want to be in my life anymore, or somebody I might have a loved one pass away, like a spouse, a husband, and wife can leave me through death. My mother could leave me through death. We are most, a lot of us have ex- experienced this already, or if we continue to live long enough, we will experience losing a loved one. It's a part of our lives. So what I wanted to do was to help people to understand that grief occurs anytime there's a sever in a relationship. Anytime the relationship has been severed or there's a separation, then I'm going to grieve. When my mother passed, my mother's 83 years old. Um, she's still living currently at this present time. Um, but there's no, I have a wonderful relationship with my mother. There's no question that when she passes away, I'm going to grieve. I'm going to mourn that loss. And so sometimes we, we can lose a loved one and not grieve properly and not heal. And, um, we can still be mourning the loss of a loved one 20, 30 years later and so God wants us to learn how to grieve properly, mourn that loss so we can heal and we can move on and continue to live and stop living 
just because someone else in our life that we care about is no longer living. And I can continue to live even when my mother is no longer living. So a lot of us need to heal from the loss of loved ones, spouses, parents. And so that's what that was said to provide healing to people who have lost loved ones and, and have are still wrestling with trying to get over the loss of a loved one. And that makes sense to me that going back to the idea of unconditional love, uh, seeing God as that, that would help heal so much faster because then mm -hmm. it comes understanding that everything's conditioned. We nothing really lasts forever in this right. realm. So, yeah. And so that's the yeah. thing about the relationship with people that we, I have to uh, acknowledge or accept that um, people may leave me or forsake me through their de decision, through a divorce, or through death. But God, my relationship with God is what will sustain me. He'll never leave me, nor will he ever forsake me. Right. He'll be with me to the end. So I can make it. As long as he's with me, I can make it. So before I ask you these final questions, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Um, I don't I don't know. I think I've really pretty much discussed everything I really, really had to say. Um, I guess if I, I'm reading, I'm here with the book right now is, um, I, well, here's a passage right here I can read. It says, uh, it is critical that we agree with God, with what he sees in us. In order for us to be transformed, we have to agree with God. We must not allow our fear to cause us to disagree with him. We must not allow the condemnatory thoughts that we have towards ourselves to cause us to disagree with him. And really that's about agreeing with him. So, um, again, about self-awareness, um, sometimes we, we disagree with God. If he sees something in me and I say, and I could justify it or try to explain it away or rationalize it. If God says that something in me is incorrect, then I have to agree with him. I have to acknowledge it. And then, then he can deliver me from it. If I disagree with him about it, then it ties his hands and he, he won't be able to release me from it because I'm saying this is right and Lord, you're wrong. I have to say, Lord, when I'm wrong, I have to acknowledge that I'm wrong and Lord, you're right. And I need you to help me. So that's that's really about coming self-aware, agreeing with God when there's things in me that are not correct and not justifying them and just trying to explain it away. But say, Lord, you're right. And I'm wrong. Can you help me with this? What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself and life as of today, Jerome? I, probably that I just can't, I can't make it on my own. I need God to help me with everything I do. Um, I, I tried, I think, a lot to do things on my own, um, not to ask God for help. And then also to realize that there, it, it's God, but also he provides resources. And sometimes those resources are, are not just things or money or this, that, and the other, but also people that he puts around you. I have a wonderful support staff. Our, our support team, which is my family, my mother, my father, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, my wife, my children, brothers and sisters. And so the hardest lesson was like is becoming humble enough to to recognize that God has put people in my life to help me. Yeah, there's been some people in my life before that's trying to hurt me. And it's always going to be people that try to come against you out of, you know, insecurities or jealousy or whatever is going on with them. But God has put people in my life and to humble myself enough to realize that I need God to help me. And then also there's people in my life that he's given me a, a wonderful wife 
he's blessed me with a wonderful wife that has been very supportive and very helpful in my life and, and appreciating her and the woman that God has given me. So I've had some hard lessons, uh, maybe taking her for granted, taking the people that God has put in my life for granted, but I, I appreciate God and also the people that he has placed in my life to help me to become better. What a beautiful thing to say. <laughs> and I love the way you talk about your mother yeah, and your wife. That's beautiful. And my two more questions for you. If you knew you would die soon, meaning leave in the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? Um, I think currently I'm in a good place in my life where it, is everything in my life going perfectly? No, but I believe that for the first time or in a, in a long time or in my life, I can say my life is trending in the right direction. Yeah. And so... Um, there's some things in my life that I would like to do better and improve upon. But if my life was the end of day, I would just want to make sure that my family was was taken care of. And and um, do if if I had to depart here, I just want to make sure that they would be taken care of. I, I have everything set up yeah. to where they would be um, taken care of. Basically, that, that would be the, my only concern. And my last question to you is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Um, probably think I know for sure that that, that God uh, exists. I appreciate um, him for life, that I'm, I'm, I know that God exists. I'm living and I know one day I'm going to have to leave here. That'll probably be the third one and meet him in the end and stand before him. I love your faith. I love your trust, Jerome. It's really beautiful. And it gives us this um, inspiration. It's very inspirational. That's interesting how we need to be reminded of these things all the time because the mind sometimes takes over with rationality and all. So thank you so much for your message and your presence and your work. Thank you. So before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? So you can go to my website is Jerome W. Jerome W. Um, and I offer, um, the books on the website, uh, Lord help me with me. There's I also offer now. I just started to offer it. It's, it's through Emma. The link there's links on the website that take you directly to Amazon. You can get the paperback or the ebook. Um, but I also offer an option where if you would like to get an autograph copy from me directly, there is an option on the website where you can do that as well. I will have the link on the podcast profile too. Okay. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. Bye for now, Jerome. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Jerome W. Terry and his work, please visit JeromeWTerry.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.